So the overarching theme of the epistle that we read, the one earlier in Galatians, is about community. The whole book of Galatians almost is about community. In the past several weeks, I have been reminded about how much I love and care for and need the people in this community. In the last several years of our time with you, I feel like it has changed from acquaintances that I have met to deep friends that I know to family that we essentially cannot live without. And I thought it was funny the other day, Laura's not here this morning, she is uh, with her grandparents, her grandmother's 90th birthday is today, but uh, Laura came in and gave both Amy and I back our keys because she dog sat for us in like sequential weeks um, and while we were out of town. And I just thought it was funny because I knew the week before that, before I was out of town, Sherry went and let... Laura's dog out while she was out of town and then somewhere in the middle of that the Mealers went out of town and we went and let their cat out once or twice. Corey has the scratches to prove that. They, they weren't friends, him and Tigger. And it was just this communal thing that happened, right? These are simple summertime things that you do for those that you know. Everybody's got a vacation. Everything is happening. It's just this thing called life, but it's this slight nod and this recognition that we do it together, right? Like this, this understanding that somehow we all need each other. So on this week of Independence Day, I wanted to focus on our need for interdependence, our interdependence that goes beyond pet sitting, that goes beyond Sunday morning worship, our need for each other that starts in this place and doesn't stop in our everyday lives. Shameless plug about connection. If you are not attending our first Tuesday study, you're really missing out. I left this Tuesday feeling so fulfilled and so validated that some of you struggle with the same parts of scripture that I do. That my skepticism of the Jonah story wasn't something that was just me. That wrestling with the scripture together with all of you I thought was extremely encouraging and life-giving. And at some point, that's interdependence. But Paul wasn't asking the Galatians to share theology. He was asking them to bear one another's burdens. There are places and spaces in this world where a theological litmus test must be administered before we let anybody do anything in the church. But I'm not asking Amy to agree with me about transubstantiation before she teaches my children in Sunday school, right? I'm not asking Andy to agree with me about same-sex marriage before he does the confession. I'm not asking Steve to agree with me about women in ministry before he leads the hymns. Although if he doesn't, some Sundays will be awkward for you. But whether your views are way more liberal or way more conservative or whatever it is on some topics that I mentioned or on any of these topics, no one's asking any of you to check those views at the door. No one's asking you to take those deeply held theological ideas that you have and check them at the door. But Paul wasn't asking us to share theology, and neither is anyone else here. As historical Baptists, we believe in everyone finding God for their own selves. But we don't do that in isolation. We find God for ourselves, and then we live within community. We exist within community. Because when we see our neighbor for their humanity and not for their theology, well, that's when we begin to bear one another's burdens. 
that's when we begin to hold each other. My idea of first century Christians bearing one another's burdens is always the pooling of money and communal living, or at least that's what I think it is. But I don't really think that's what Paul is talking about here. If we back up to the beginning of Galatians chapter 6, Paul gives us an example of a member of the community that has a transgression. He said, you who have received the spirit will restore such one with the spirit of gentleness. Gentleness, after all, being a fruit of the spirit. The goal of dealing with that transgressor was not punishment, but restoration and healing. That verb, and I hope I'm saying this correctly, katarizo, katarizo, that's what we're going to go with. That Greek verb, katarizo, is often used as a medical term to refer to setting a bone or making it right so it can heal properly. And then Paul goes on to say, to bear one another's burdens is the way that we fulfill the law of Christ. So first we must ask ourselves, what law of Christ are we fulfilling? Well, Galatians 5.14, a little bit up, says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what is Paul essentially saying after all that jumbly thing I just said? He's saying this, people will fall away. People will leave the community with us. People will transgress against us. People will stop being people of faith. They will stop being people of community. That happens. It always does. But to fulfill the law, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to bear one another's burdens, we must also bear one another's guilt and their shame and their transgressions as our own. We must hold them in community with gentleness, with kindness. We love them. We repent with them. We hold them close as our neighbor and we welcome them home. But then Paul seems to contradict himself when he says, we all must test our own work, and then that work, rather than our neighbor's work, will be our cause for pride, and then we must all carry our own loads. But Paul isn't contradicting himself. Well, not, not here, anyway. Uh, he's, moving, he's not moving from his call for community and interdependence, but he is then causing, calling us to introspection, he is calling us to not only hold the shame of our neighbor, but to search our heart and test our own lives as well. All through scripture, we can see the call of Christ to look at ourselves and not worry about the offenses of others. But in this moment, it almost feels like Paul is urging us towards the gentleness for our transgressors and in his demand for introspection is saying, look, your neighbor's faults are not that great and your righteousness is not that good. Your neighbor's faults are not as bad as you want to believe and your goodness is not as good as you want to believe. So in all of that, please just don't grow weary in doing good. With all of that in mind, don't grow weary in doing the good work. So what's the good work? What are we to be doing? And I think with that question, we must then go to our gospel reading. Our gospel reading is the portion of scriptures that I always kind of have thought was slightly odd. In, in this part, we recognize there's more than 12 disciples, right? And we recognize these 70 who are sent out in pairs, two by two, like another story we might have heard one time. So they're set out two by two, and then they were giving 
these specific instructions, a couple of proclamations. The first was the pair was to declare to the house, peace be upon you. And then the second was that the kingdom of God is near to you. But if you notice in those instructions, Jesus did not ask them to ask the people of the house if they were followers of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did not instruct them to ask them if they were circumcised. He did not ask them about their income, about their race, their ethnicity, or their lineage. The only instructions came as directions on how the discipling pair should behave, not the people that they encountered. It was say these things, do these specific things. The good work that we shouldn't grow weary in doing is approaching our neighbors and letting them know that there is a God that has peace that is available, grace that is attainable, and forgiveness that is near. The good work is letting our friends and our family know that there is a kingdom of God that is near. It is close to you. That there is an Emmanuel, a God that is with us, that is present, that is close, and that is not far off at all. That God is here if we need him. So when the instructions were given to shake the dust off of the feet for those not receptive to those proclamations, it's not because those people were bad, and it's not because those people were unworthy or not good enough. Remember, Paul reminded us that our transgressions, their transgressions are not as bad as we think, and our goodness is not as great as we think. So it's not about their condition. It's just that I got to keep doing the work. I have to continue. There's no time to stop. We have to keep working. You don't want grace and goodness and peace. That's fine. My job is not to convince you. The job of that pair and me is just to show you the love of God, to proclaim the peace. And when it's not received, don't waste time. We just keep doing the work. Don't get discouraged. We just keep doing the work. Don't get frustrated. We just keep doing the work. In the next few weeks, we're going to pass out backpacks to several hundred kids. And we're going to talk about that in the business meeting, and I'm very excited about it. But in the midst of that, we're going to hug parents and love neighbors. I'm going to hug parents. You're not required to, but I definitely am. But I'm going to hug parents, and we're going to love neighbors, and we're going to meet people in our community. And we might never see them again. And we're going to be out at the park, out with people we know, and meet a bunch of people we have probably never met. We will be received well by many, but maybe not by all. But regardless of the response of these people, our actions are consistently and continually the same. We love them with gentleness. We give with generosity. We speak words of grace and peace, and we keep on loving regardless. Yesterday, for the second time in about six days, I went furniture shopping. We need new couches extremely desperately. Um, and so I'm very indecisive. So we might have gone into the same store like 10 times. And we just kept looking and kept looking. And I wanted to take advantage of those 4th of July sales that are about to go off. But I don't know if you've been into a furniture store recently. When you walk into a furniture place, the salespeople come out like vultures. Like it is worse than buying a car almost. They come up and they act super kind and they're vying for your attention. They really like to compliment the kids and get them a sucker or something. And then they ask what you do for a living, which I'm sure has a dual purpose. But 
they want to look like they care, right? They want to look like they care because they want something from you. The call to love from Christ in these passages does not require a positive response from the people that we love. I don't love my children because I get something from them. I don't love this church because of what you do for me. And we don't love our neighbor because we are anticipating some transactional conversion. There is no commission in the Great Commission. That doesn't exist. We love because we have been loved. We love because we are called to love. We love because we worship a God who is love. Together, these texts that we have read today remind us that loving is work. It's a beautiful work. It's a good work. But it's not something to be taken lightly. When the disciples show up and say, peace to this house, those are difficult words. I don't know how many houses you've walked into, but from my experience, if you spend enough time in a space, you will find that most homes don't have a whole lot of peace. Because living in community and in close proximity is hard. If you grew up with siblings, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Showing folks that there's a different way, a way of peace, that's just as hard. Even in Jesus sending out the disciples, he realizes this. So why do the women and men get sent out two by two? Maybe it's because you can't do this alone. Maybe it's because we were never meant to do this alone. Maybe it was because we were meant to live and to exist in community, to reach our community with a community, to love with those that love us. We can't do it alone. We have Baptist independence that causes us for interdependence. We need each other. We have to love in community. We have to share the peace of Christ in community. We have to welcome folks to the kingdom of God in community. May we continually, as a people, recognize both our needs for the grace of God and for each other as we continue to do this good work. Let us pray.